Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed, the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. Gentlemen, good to be with you. This week, we have a special guest, Stephen Chuck, joining us, friend of the show. Jesus is in New York. All is uh, right with the world. <laughs> well, w- w- welcome to the show, Stephen. Good to have Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Always. Here, uh, here is an observer. I don't know how that'll yeah, play oh, on a podcast. Oh, come on. But, uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Stephen's already guest hosted once, and it was actually really good. It was a really good conversation. So, um, Jesus, we've been talking about this for a while, right? Waiting for... Um, an opportunity to talk about everything that went down on Super Tuesday yeah, yesterday. And, you know, I thought what, what could actually be interesting, and I'm sure we'll have no shortage of things to talk about, but, you know, rather than going through, you know, individual things, there's still a lot of outstand, uh, outstanding uh, votes on Tuesday evening, which is when we're recording the show Pacific time. So there's still some outstanding things where rather than go down the line uh, of, you know, individual races, which I'm sure will come up, I wanted to talk about some of like the major storylines maybe that are developing. And I'm sure that you guys have your fair share of observations from what you've seen. Um, But, you know, I I thought we'd start with kind of those big storylines, those big themes, if that makes sense. Does that work? That works. All right. Beautiful. So let me start with, let me start with this. So one of them that I thought was really well, well said, and it was kind of a self-reflective moment from a one of the commentators on Fox that I was watching last night. I'm going to read this quote to you because I think it can kind of tick off a variety of different thoughts. But here's the quote. It says, this is in, in reflection, uh, sort of self-reflection relative to the idea of a red wave, right? So the quote says, think about this. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since 1990s, the worst border crisis in, U- in U.S. history, and we have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since presidential polling began, and there wasn't a red wave. This is a commentator on Fox News. And I thought that that was actually really interesting because there's a couple of things that are kind of from what I understand, and I'm no pundit, but are kind of gravitational things with these midterm elections. One is that the party that's in power in the White House tends to lose seats. So there's some gravity that's already pulling in the direction of like, you're not going to do as well as you might otherwise have done because you're in power in the White House. So you have that. Plus, you have all these different factors. And I think objectively looking at this, at least what we know so far, it's pretty evident that there was not this sort of massive lurch toward the um, towards the Republican side of the equation, right? The Senate is still up for grabs, probably is going to end up being 50-50 again. And then the House, while it, it looks like it's going to go into Republican hands, it's not like a huge margin, which at some point people were talking about, you know, 25, 35 additional, you know, seats moving in that direction. What do you guys make of that sort of self-reflective starting point? Um. Well, I think there is a lot of uh, things. To, I don't know if I, I would need to literally look at all those stats to see how much of that is true, because uh, obviously it's, uh, it's very much positioned from a lens which Fox News tends to have. Um, not to say any of this is not true. I just frankly don't have it in front of me to, to fact check any of that. But I do think there's a lot of that's going negative to the current presidency. And frankly, out of everything else, really the main point is the economy. Inflation, mm. the economy, and gas prices, which is the day-to-day marketing that people see when they see how much it is per gallon, 
that they can react right. to, right? So putting everything aside of what, what this, this pundit said, um, that is a fact that is true. And to your point, the, the typical momentum that happens, uh, the country tends to behave whenever a president um, or a specific party is in office or the presidency, what's just to happen with the Senate and, and the House, right? So the fact that it hasn't happened to that degree, I think speaks to a lot of things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ones that come to mind to me right away, one is the Donald Trump effect. Yeah. Is to what degree has he just marred the whole conversation, the dialogue? Because if you look at the, some of the folks that he specifically was supporting, not all has done that great. Now, there's some that have, right. some that have, but right. a lot have not done that great. I think the ba- it's definitely not across the not board. Across the board. Right. I think the backdrop of that is also the whole idea about a stolen election. Mm-hmm. And there is still a residual effect in my mind as it relates to that. The more he chips away, Years later, at this point, that the election was stolen, the more it actually does, I think, uh, take away the confidence of the people, especially in the conservative side of the equation, not the Democrat, the, the, the liberal, the conservative side of the equation, to actually want to be involved in the process and want to vote. So I think that's part of it. I think, frankly, the other one that seemed to play a pretty big factor is, is the impact that the Supreme Court had in the Roe v. Wade overturning. And yeah. how much that's been abortion a motivator. Abortion was huge. A motivator. It was a huge, huge thing. And when you look at the, was, across the board, Charlie, not only did you have a number of states codify uh, uh, abortion rights as part of their, yeah. their state uh, constitution, but then you had the places that were trying to be more restrictive all failed, I think. I don't know. I think, and not just codify, but codify and expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so Calif- you had, you had California it, You had it on it. both sides, right? Those that are more conservative that tried to expand the uh, um, or make it even more more stricter in those states failed and then mm-hmm. in, in states like California uh, codifying the the right to abortion uh, all things seem to pass so to me California Michigan and what was the other one Stephen Vermont New Hampshire one of those two it was it was one of those sure skiing states yeah but Michigan for sure did too that was proposition three in, Mer- in Michigan proposition one in California right so I think those to me are, are really big. Uh, really big movements that impacted this, uh, yeah, this, these midterms and, and the role that it has there. I mean, it's interesting because as you said right now, the Senate, you know, I think it's probably very likely to stay on the Democratic side of the equation, right? It looks mm-hmm. like Arizona is going to, is going to go blue. Well, well hang, hang, hang on a second though. You're saying, you're saying it, cause it's, it was 50, 50 with, with the vice president as a tiebreak. You're saying it's going to go entirely Democrat? No, no, no. Or you're saying it'll stay, it'll stay 50, what it was. But it stay 50, 50 with the, okay. uh, with the tiebreak, stay on the, on the Democrat side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it looks like. Nevada is probably going to be Republican as it's going right now. Arizona looks like it's going to go Democrat. And then Georgia is going to go on a runoff. And I think the likelihood, frankly, of um, that going, uh, uh, especially when you think it's Her- Herschel Walker is a candidate, I think it's very unlikely mm-hmm. for him to win out. That's my- In Georgia. In Georgia, yeah. So I think, it, it'll, yeah. I think it'll, it, the Democrat side will stay, or will keep control of the Senate. And that's a massive, that's a massive win in the, in the backdrop of, of inflation, of gas prices. Once again, the day-to-day marketing yeah. that has happened. Um, because even some of the work that the president has done, specifically like talking about like the Inflation Reduction Act, the reality is you're going to see any of the effects of that for a, le- for, for a little while. So even though there's been some positive things done, is is not reflective in gas prices. And I think right. that's part of the, the challenge that they that, that was faced. And it is pretty amazing, frankly, because I was very pessimistic about how this thing was going to play out. But to me, those are at least some of the factors that I think are, are big contributors to, to where we sit right now. Thoughts? 
Stephen. Um, <laughs> so the, the one of the fascinating things for me in all of that is I don't think gas or rent is included in the inflation index. Mm. So as bad as it is, like it's actually terrible in this other spot. Um, so you think it's worse it, than what it is? Well, it all it, it yeah. actually almost always is when you're under those effects. But at the same time. This is one of the things like people emotionally, emotively connect with and respond to and think they're voting about right. and they're not doing anything in that regard uh, because it's not – inflation is not Biden's fault. It was triggered by all the stuff that Trump had to do during COVID and then it triggered by the interest rate increase. So it's like it's neither of these guys' fault. It's all part of a giant uh, dynamic a cyclical uh, equilibrium, yeah that, yeah, that starts years before. Um, I do think going back to something Jesus said, there's there's an interesting thing happening here in the sense of what does the Donald Trump effect mean now? Yeah. So there was a blue wave in uh, 2018 mm-hmm. to put more Democrats in office as a counter to his presidency. And in fact, that turnout was among the highest that we've seen this century for actually, if not the highest that we've seen this century for a midterm election. This one is right behind that, but not quite as big as it. That was almost a 50% turnout in the midterms. And we're probably, this is going to end up in the 47, uh, 48 maybe range. Uh, And the midterms are usually about 40%. uh, And the, the lowest one was, I think, Obama's second term midterm. Um, So the question gets to be this is, is he turning out Democrats and independent voters to vote against his people? And the only way to counter it is if he's on the ballot to pull even more people out. And and going back to that point is, where is the tiring effect of the stolen election, the fraud? Does it happen more to conservative voters and, and, and the liberal voters come out in response is, you know, so there's a dynamic here where I can't tell if he's actually, how much he's actually hurting his own party and hurting his own, his own, his own. Well, uh, one, of, one of the metrics that's been offered as a way to answer that question is the gap between uh, governor races where there was a Republican who was victorious and the Senate candidate who was riding that same ticket and the difference between them. Georgia is a good example of that, right? right? So, so Kemp, I I forget it. uh, Maybe you know the, the, the margin, but Kemp, I think maybe 200,000 or a quarter million votes more than Walker did, right? Kemp was a non-Trumpian or whatever, and Walker was. So that's been offered as one of those metrics to maybe try to measure that, that difference. But that is one of those continual things like we do as a country, right? We, elect a president of one party and then a Senate or a house of the other party. Yeah, but I think and it happens at the state <clears throat> level too. It's not uncommon to see that. And this is Jesus, maybe you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll toss it to you. But, but what I heard for the first time in a lot of the analysis on this is that the kind of like party splitting or vote splitting was more of a dynamic this time around. Yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. I'm, re- I'm a Republican and I vote for Kemp, but I don't vote for Walker. Right. And you, you definitely saw that. Um, and, and it's interesting because I think the ones that didn't get voted on seem to be those that have a much more extreme position that aligns more with President Trump. And that's that's the part where you do. I think there is an, an effect directly with this, which that it causes. The challenge here is that we know that he can get people riled up, President Trump, and get the base riled up. But if that doesn't equate to actually having these candidates win, then that's a, pro- a really big problem. 
Yeah. Um, and, and you are seeing some of this split voting. Well, frankly, I mean, if you're going to have a optimistic view of, of where we are, it's really encouraging to see that actually that is, that is actually still happening in a moment that we feel so polarized politically, right? That we can't agree on anything, that everyone just goes down ballot or across ballot or based on whatever party that they are, um, you know, that they're, they're assigned to uh, or self-assigned to, like that, that is still happening. I think that's really, really positive outcome to be seen right now in this kind of moment. But I do, I do think there's I, actually a fatigue factor that is happening with Trump. I still go to the same point. Like the best way to get Biden elected is have Trump run. I have been pushing mm-hmm. for that narrative for two years. Yeah. Like I, you know, Charlie yeah. knows this every time. Like, please yep. run because that's going to get people motivated. And I think even though he wasn't on the ballot, he was vocal enough where his presence, his aura was still there influencing the ballot. Well, there's no question of that. I, I do think that Georgia... And Walker as a candidate is such an outlier. It's not. I don't think that's as as instructive as it as it should be, because you could be very very conservative and very very everything down that line, and have a problem voting for such an unqualified candidate. For Walker, right? Yeah. So in a different state where you've got some different things, I think it'd be more instructive. I do think that's a a huge outlier. It's. It, might show us some stuff, but I don't yeah. think it's really indicative of that ballot kind of splitting. I agree with you, Jesus, though. I, I actually was heartened by the fact that if there is that kind of vote splitting, I think that's actually a good thing. And somebody else, I forget who it was, maybe it was on CNN, because I was flipping around at all the different uh, stations last night, was making the point that um, you know these majorities in the Senate and the House don't mean what they used to. It used to be that, yeah, one party's got 55, the other one's got 45, but the reality is for everything, you're going to be able to pull 10 or 15 or whatever from the other party, mm-hmm. but that stopped happening. Right. So you weren't you're not able when you the majority now matters in like a way that it hasn't mattered before. But it doesn't mean what it used to, meaning it's more important now. It's more important. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. Way more important. Totally agree. Totally agree. um, Exit polls. Right. So those are, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But at least to answer the question that you I think you asked, Stephen, is when you look at by party, by by identified party, how what happened in this election, at least based on exit polls, Democrats, Sort of gain some of the from the election being plus ninety one to plus ninety three, Republicans uh, also gain plus eighty eight to plus ninety three, and independents uh, went more Democrat, but but not as much compared to twenty eighteen. So it was plus twelve versus plus two. That means that overall, those that identified as independents still in overall seem to have voted more Democrat, but by not but but less but less intense right than the pre than than during twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that too. Well, one of the other things that's related to Trump, and it's another subject, right? Another one of these emerging storylines is DeSantis, right? Yeah. And the kind of like, the kind he of, um, yeah, he, he crushed. I remember you and I talked about it at some point and you thought because of the margin had been so small before that there was a chance he would lose. But he, I mean, mm-hmm. he spanked oh, he this guy, it. Chris. No, I mean, no, left no doubt on the, on the, you know, on the table. So, And so is the new gravitational center of the Republican Party DeSantis in Florida? Is in other words, if you're Trump right now, you're not feeling good. Period. But is there something bigger that's happened? Well, that's mean, well, yeah. Go ahead, Stephen. I'll say Trump would say it's because he moved to Florida. Right. Exactly. So, well, no. Trump would say he made DeSantis. Remember, he right. without he, question, and without he, question, and he might have a little bit. Of, there might be a little of truth there in that. Are yeah. You, no. There's there's no question. There's truth of his ability to uplift and amplify uh, the people that he did while he was in office. Um, and there's no question. Uh, his ability to get you primaried as well. Like uh, you can't, you can't dispute it, but, but it will be interesting 
in my mind, that will be a test of, of somebody's actual, like a McConnell and the others, their commitment to the idea of what this country is, their idea of commitment to the democracy. If they can elect somebody, whatever I think about DeSantis personally, politically, whatever, like I could, I could, I, I could live with a Democrat losing to him mm. if that was the will of the people. Right. Well, right. DeSantis has done a has done a great job of running a presidential campaign for the last two years. Right. Every issue that he can jump on, every lawsuit that he can throw in there to just keep his name on top of the headlines, he has done that. So name recognition, kind of people see them, I think, in many ways as as someone that has a legitimate shot of running for president and. I think that also get reflected in how people vote for him in the, in the state. So it is very dominant, his win. I think that it does now really beg the question, is it time to move on from Trump? Frankly, as a Democrat, I hope not. Like, please stay in there, because if you do, you're going to yeah. split that ticket. You're going to keep the, the party very much unfocused, and then you make it about you. It's interesting to think about, does, can Trump live with having someone else have more shine than him? I think the answer uh, is the no. The answer is no. I, 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 just, I just no. don't see it. No. And I think that's going to be uh, one of the reasons why I think it's going to be difficult for the for Republicans to take the presidency. And I do think I, the, we cannot under underestimate the impact that rolling back Roe v. Wade has had in the political landscape. Frankly, I think if that doesn't happen, I see, I think they, they crush the, the Democrat side. I think they take the House, take the Senate. Um is it, because it, there's there's such a reaction to that that I think has happened across the country and it's pretty much yeah I totally role. agree with that I knew it was going to be important I didn't realize it was going to be important to this degree on on DeSantis Jesus let's can we talk a little bit about I don't know unless you've got something else you wanted to say but I want to talk more about Florida mm-hmm. Miami Dade first time since like Jeb Bush those are like my college years that Miami Dade actually voted for Republican governor. I don't think you can explain that solely by saying, well, there's a lot of Cubans and they don't like communism or whatever it is, because that's always been the case in Miami Dade. Yeah. So, I mean, am I, am I over uh, emphasizing the significance of that? I don't think you are because I think for a long time, you know, Florida was seen as a purple, as a purple state that was driven, that was made purple because of places like Miami Dade that were more blue. Right. And it was always the more rural that was so red. Um, yeah, that does not seem to be the case. It seemed to be reversed. And I don't know to what degree is it just specifically around him, around DeSantis, that he is a person that is galvanizing people to back him as a no nonsense, as, as someone that is going to be for the people, you know, putting you put air cords if you want. That goes beyond his party. Or is that actually a trend, a shift in the state itself becoming more conservative? I don't know. Mm. But either way, he's sort of been able to manage to get, I think, a big swath of people, including a lot of Latinos, frankly, to want to vote for him. I heard uh, one of the commentators say that there is no Latino vote. There's only Latino voters. Do you agree? Either I, I you? F- for sure agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more the more we go forward in elections, the more that's going to be the case. We got to stop thinking mm. of Latino as a Latino vote as, as that, Latino voters, because we can no longer think about this group as being entirely driven by immigration or being heavily influenced by immigration, you have more first, second, third generation Latinos that are here that's going to just look very different. And uh, frankly, a group that has always been very conservative. And without having a, maybe a, a strong attachment to the immigration side of the equation, I think Republicans have a much better chance of getting some of those folks to go their way as well. Hmm. 
I mean, you'd have to agree with that sentence. I think you both you both are actualizing on the business opportunities and strategic opportunities that arise from the mistake of thinking of Latinos as a monolithic group or entity. It's just uh, it's it's ridiculous. I, I struggle as a as a Westerner. I struggle in terms of thinking about the purpleness or the blueness of some of those. Southern states, like you know, my youth, Texas was a very democratic state, and and other others in that area were. So, uh, the degree to which they ever truly were democratic in the way California is today, uh, more like Orange County is today. <laughs> uh, but but it 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 is interesting, and I do think that that's a it's it's almost embarrassing that you still see pundits and people making that mistake about talking about really almost any group as this giant monolith of, of yeah. people with the same thing. And, and interestingly enough, uh, the, 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 I don't want to say distraction, but the multiplicity of the left and all of the constituencies that they try to have to address in order to come back and act as one has been a challenge. Talk, yeah. And it's something that the right and the Republicans have been able to sort of exploit. Um, It'll be interesting to think that Roe becomes something that starts to fracture the right. I've been saying that the whole time since yeah, it happened. Yeah. Jesus knows yeah. this. This, yeah. is, this was a major forcing, like a galvanizing principle that is now gone and is now being galvanizing on the other side. There's no so question about that. Based it. On, on the Latino vote, by the way, um, based on, on exit polls, what you're seeing here is that basically loss in share on, on the Democrat side uh, for Latinos and Latino men were already kind of going that direction, but now there yeah. was also a loss in share about Latino women. So Latino women were in 2018 uh, plus 47 uh, Democrats, so very high on the on the on the Democrat side, and that mm -hmm. dropped to plus 33 once again in, in this election based on exit polls. For Latino men in 2018 was plus 29, and now that's dropped to plus eight for Democrats. So still leaning more Democrat. But that share has dropped significantly. Uh, I think that's one of the stories, though, is like there's still that lean, but just a lesser and lesser intensity in some of these these segments for that for that cohort. I think with with respect to the monolith thing, Stephen, the only thing I would push back on you in that is that I think that a lot of the times that the question of, of course, it's not a monolith, like all of that stuff, has been more related to people, you know, describing it non monolithically as it relates to geography, country of origin, like all that stuff. I think people have said the whole time, this is not a monolith, but those same people have assumed some type of monolithic thinking ideologically. Mm -hmm. I think that now what's happened is it's not a monolith. Yes, agree. We've got people from all over the Latin American world, but it's also not a monolith ideologically. I think that's the new part of that not a monolith kind of argument, at least as I see it. Right, right. So let's 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 stay in the South. Stephen brought up Texas. Um, question for both of you guys, since you're the the sort of left of center folks in the equation here. Um, Beto O'Rourke, right? <laughs> Good job. He's he's like excellent at running and losing and spending a lot of money. And you could say the same thing for Stacey Abrams. If you guys are Democrat strategists, are you telling the powers that be to maybe start funneling some of that money in other places where it can do more good, or are you still back in? Like these, you know, brave uh, up and coming wonderkins. Uh, uh, it's so funny. I was literally talking <laughs> about this earlier. Uh, it's having the exact conversation. I'm like, so what, what exactly that question? What does it say about both of these folks and their ability to get elected? 
right? The ability to take to take uh, a governor uh, governor's office. And I think the reality with both of them at this point, you can make an argument that they can get elected at any point, anytime soon. You know, um, having said that, the impact that they have had in the national conversation and helping shift some of those states purple, I think Stacey Abrams, what she has been very, very good at is influencing public policy and local policy of actually like raising the awareness around the the more diverse vote and the diverse vote that goes more Democrat, even if she herself can't get enough not people the one who can to carry actually, the torch. That's right. So yeah. and so I think it's yeah. a really important role and it's a really important thing that, that that they can be doing. I think I would put Better Rock in a little different category. Frankly, what that is like at some point is like how many times can you lose and still want to run? I mean, frankly, so is Trump. I mean, Trump has yet to win a popular election or the popular vote. Yeah. He hasn't. So you want to run a third time? Great. You know, like that's at some point you got to say, maybe the majority of people in the country don't want me in office. Right. And it's, it's, so that's so that sounds like you'd be in favor of maybe diverting resources sure. in other areas yeah, yeah, of yeah. Democrat. Stephen. Um, I, I don't want to uh, steal the credit for the line, but I, I heard a, a woman say last night that um, Beto O'Rourke couldn't win a race uh, for people named Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> So. There's only one person on the ballot. <laughs> and yeah. so I think the question gets to be, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have great ideas and that doesn't mean he can't play a role in the party. Sure. Now, you know, is it, is it, are you, are you taking the, the back way in if you become a secretary or something or you get appointed to, no, to some larger government role? Um, he could, if he, I mean, he'd have to go live there, but he won along the border in a pretty significant fashion. So I imagine if it's not utterly gerrymandered, which wouldn't be surprising in Texas, there's a district or two. He could certainly go represent and become a congressman. congressman before I forget yeah. if that was what he first originally was. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a totally fair question. And I think the, the, the other question for them is like to ask yourself sincerely, it's not about them winning. It's like, I think in those states, is like people in my state, it's not about me it's necessarily, but like, do people in my state want this? Georgia ready for a, a female black mm-hmm. governor, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Texas ready for a, you know, a thin rich liberal, a thin, 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 thin liberal uh, metrosexual yeah. governor, right? It's much, you know, and I think it's much more about about that than than them personally in any way. Yeah, but Ooh. at some point you also got to like turn the page in some of these folks, right? If they are not really the ones that are able to get there, you know, you know, they're, you know, better work is the, the 90s, you know, Buffalo Bills, right? Pretty good. Just, just yeah. not good enough. Just not good enough. Get to the dance. Just can't close the deal. Just can't close yeah. the deal. One of the other things that can't, another big storyline is what's, what uh, happened in Pennsylvania, right? And there's still a bunch of stuff that's going on there. Um, but Fetterman and, uh, you know, winning the Senate seat there against uh, Dr. Oz and flipping a Senate seat, right? So making it harder for the Republicans to actually um, get the majority in the Senate. Now, I could be wrong. But I put Fetterman in the same category as Biden v. Trump, which is my contention was you could have like a dirty dish rag running against Trump and you would have had enough people who just wanted to get rid of Trump to vote for anything. And I think given the importance of how Pennsylvania was marketed as this is about the Senate, this is about losing the Senate if you don't vote for Fetterman, I think something similar happened with that. I kind of see it as like part two of that same dynamic. 
because I just, I can't imagine somebody who had such a poor showing, especially nationally. And that debate was disastrous to do like as well as he did on the merits. So I would go back to your first point there. And that is a state where you had a a firebrandy populist Democratic nominee for governor uh, actually do really well. And I do think that there's a pull along effect there that enough people were sort of fired up by him and like, all right, let's let's put the right team in place. Uh, and I agree with you about his showing. And, you know, maybe they had that much grace to say he'll continue to improve. He'll get better. I'll, I'm going off of what he was a year ago or when I heard him speak 18 months ago. But I do think in that case, you could say that uh, given the narrowness of the margin, there's a huge attribution that you make to that win in the governor's house mm-hmm. that that brought Fetterman along for the ride. Yeah. Also, I mean, the reality is like the fact that Dr. Oz was the candidate. Like this to me is crazy. Like Herschel Walker, Dr. Oz, these candidates that have no business being there, that have massive name recognition. But I mean, even Dr. Oz, there's like it's questionable to what degree he even like has spent time there. You know how much time he actually is there. He was getting accused of that all the time. And even if that wasn't true, it was good marketing. It was great marketing. You know, say, like, so you this had guy's a, not from you here. have a smart marketing campaign or a smart campaign against them. But candidates that just feel very, very flawed, but yet that's still the ones that are being chosen uh, by the party to represent, you know, to represent the party. So, it, I mean, it's, it, it is super interesting, but, uh, you know, Herschel Walker, man, the fact that Herschel Walker has even made it close is crazy to me. People are voting him in spite of Herschel Walker. Let's be honest. Like what he stands for, what he says about, you know, about his stance on being pro-life is like, that's been completely taken apart. How he's, Act, if we want to talk about like voting based on values, how do you vote for that guy based on values, right? Based on, on everything that's come about, about how he's treated his family, what he's done there. But yeah, people still vote for him, right? It is very much kind of that Trump effect. So you have that kind of dynamic as well. It is interesting what's going to happen. I just have a hard time seeing that he's going to get more people to vote for him, uh, especially because it just feels like a, like a redo from the last time, right? Where it went into a runoff and, and I just I just don't see it. This is a, an ideological difference, no question, that I – without disagreeing with anything you said about Herschel Walker individually, I actually don't believe that someone needs to have a tremendous amount of experience in federal or state bureaucracies to be good at being a governor or a senator. I don't think that should be a prequalification. Right now, 90-plus percent of congressmen and senators are lawyers, as an example. That's just become that way. It used to be at some point in our nation's history that they were – you know, bakers or farmers or whatever it may be, there's still a few that aren't lawyers, but there's this like calcification of what makes for a good politician that I think we just take for granted. And I don't know why that is. Like in order to be good, you have to be a lawyer, number one. And number two, you've had to serve in these offices for 20, 30, 40 years. I'm still baffled that somebody like Nancy Pelosi is talking about, well, depending on the outcome here, I may consider my retirement. You're 80-something years old. You should have retired 40 years ago. I mean, it's like, what gives these people the sense that they want to be in office at 85 years old? I mean, to me, it's a mind-boggling dynamic that happens in politics. And I think the the presupposition that, like, well, you just have to be part of the system to be good, I, I don't know. I just, I don't start there. But, but I think there are two different points though, right, Charlie? One is the longevity that people have. These life, almost feel like life appointment, life jobs that they just won't get off once they have power. And I think in keeping power becomes a big driver for some of those folks staying 
in their position for so long. The other one is is the idea of like, do we actually, is there any merit to having qualifications that are relevant to being a governor, being a senator? You know, I would say being a lawyer, right or wrong, when you're talking about negotiating policy, is probably a good skill set to have when trying to be a, a lawmaker, right? We, You know, whether or not they've had direct uh, political experience. It feels like that's the kind of thing that will probably make 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 some sense. Uh, but now we've gone the route where it's almost like we have some of these folks that not being a politician, not having experience, is seen as a plus. Which which also seems like a little bit of a mistake. Is like you could throw anyone in there, and it doesn't matter who they are, as long as they're not what it used to be. Then that's we would rather pick that person. I agree with your point broadly that you shouldn't have to be part of the system or have some experience or, you know, have come up through the ranks of, you know, local assemblyman and then governor or mayor, then governor. And I, I agree that you don't, shouldn't have to do that. Um, I, I still, you know, if I were to compare what Mehmet Oz, is, Oz has done uh, as, as a professional versus what Herschel's done, uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't think Herschel Walker is a good candidate period. And it's, it was almost performative. It's almost going back to the term we used last time we were here, uh, of saying like, "Look, look, look at what we can do here, and people will vote." Mm. Like so, so I, I, I and again, I, I would want to separate those things. I think term limits is a really important topic overall, related to your Pelosi point. Um, but I, I, there are good candidates and there are bad candidates, and that doesn't have to do necessarily with their political experience or in some cases their political leanings. Like mm -hmm. we can admit there's people that run that are good candidates and whether or not they're good politicians or good people, totally separate. There, 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 there's some appeal there, but I don't think that Walker, again, I think it was almost performative in the sense of we can, we can get this elected because this is, this is, this is what the people want. They want someone who's going to do the bidding of the party. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it's two different points that you, when you bring that, uh, tease them out, Jesus. One is this question about longevity. The other one is a question of qualifications. I am stuck on the longevity piece sure. because I'm trying hard to understand what the motivators could be. Just the, the woman who was running, there was two women that were running for uh, Oregon for governor. What was, what was the name of the, Smiley? Was, was that governor or Senate? I'm not um, sure. Anyway, the upstart, the Republican sort of younger upstart, whatever, who had some traction and people thought she did a lot better than most people thought most people expected, but she lost and the incumbent won. And they said, you know, in announcing her victory, they're like, you know, going back for her fifth term and the first one or the first time that she entered into uh, state government was 1988. And I think to myself, I'm like, what other field do you like? you know, stay at us at a certain level for 40 years and continue. Like where else do you see that? What are the motivators? The U S Senate. Well, that's what I mean. So like, but everybody has drivers, right? In the entrepreneurial life, it's, I want to start a company and flip it so I can make millions in maybe in medicine. It's, I want to work until I have some great discovery or whatever. Like what are the drivers, if not power, what are the drivers that would have somebody for 40 something years want to do the same kind of work. I mean, like at some point, does there need to be another driver besides I, power? I, no, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping maybe naively that there is, but, but I, I, we'll, think, I think power is definitely in the mix and maybe the majority of cases. I do think there's people that have a legitimate calling where they feel that they want to be part of a solution, part of, you know, the drive change, 
part of that mix. And power, of course, influences that, maybe corrupts it entirely. But I do think right. there's a, there's an aspect of that. I mean, you do have other cases where you had CEOs that have been on for a very long time, board members, chairmen of boards that have been there for a very long time. You have people in the educational field that have been teachers or professors, like once again, also a really long time. So there's, I think there's a lot of examples of that that are not all based on power. Maybe some of them are, but not all based on power where people feel like they want to or feel like they have a specific skill set or need to be able to to try to drive that kind of change. I, I do think that unfortunately with politics, even with a lot of really good intent, I don't see how power doesn't corrupt that to some degree or another, right? Even if it's not entirely corrupt, corrupted by it. So I don't want to, I don't want that. I don't want this to be a gotcha in any way. And this is not, I don't want to go down the power of corruption road, but, but I'm, if we embrace the idea of term limits and this sort of window of efficacy that you should pray optimized in, would you would you agree that it should apply to Pope? To the to the Pope? Yeah. Well, I think the context is perhaps different there. Although there ha- there is no rule of the papacy that makes it a life appointment. No, they're you're allowed to retire. Yeah. They just tend not to. They tend not to. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, is that and again, I know you're not going to say we're going to write a new rule for the Catholics, but but it, it is interesting to me because there's a dy- there's a dynamism there that's mm-hmm. very similar, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, in one case, one is a ministry. I mean, it, what's interesting is that what the way that you answered it, Jesus, you almost make it sound like it, like even the teaching thing. It's like a ministry. It's something good for the world, and that's why I'm doing it. And I guess if that's the motivation, which would explain something like a bishop or even the pope, right? I'm I'm here because I'm doing a ministry, and popes and, and you know bishops don't run for for papal office; they get elected. They all you know the cardinals come together, they pick a guy, and he's the guy. In a lot of cases, they never wanted to be, or still don't want to be, even after they get elected. So it's a little bit different in sort of kind and degree. But I could see somebody saying. I'm giving something to the world. This is the way that I give back. And so it is, you know, this is why I'm going to still be, I'm 82 years old and still the But, but I think even yeah. in those, those examples, Charlie, I still think that even, not to make it all about the Catholic Church since Stephen introduced the, the subject, but I do think Don't that power <laughs> does like corrupt it to some degree because we're humans. Sure. And I think when you, when you get placed in that position, even if there's really, really good intent, uh, there is an element there that is hard to completely skirt around of how does then having this power influence your need, your want to stay in that kind of power, even if that power is used to do really good ministry. And I mm-hmm. think there's an argument that to be said about also in politics, like there's, there's people who genuinely believe that they can make a big difference and, and want to be you know, and feel like their experience and, and decades of experience is still useful and they have a lot still to give. But there's a piece here that I think the, but the, having the power to stay in that kind of position does corrupt their, the drivers, even if those drivers initially were very, uh, noble. very noble to begin with. Yeah, I think there's definitely yeah. something to do with that. The other, the other difference, one of my favorite titles for the Pope is the Servant of the Servants. Right, right. So sure. there is this idea from the very start, start that this is not about, this is not the highest. In fact, it's the lowest, right? I don't think the same applies to presidents yeah. and, you know, assembly speakers and things no, like that. I, but but your point is correct. And we have, you know, the, the church has had at least a handful, four to six of corrupt, you know, popes, which itself, ironically, is an argument for 
the sort of infallibility of the church that despite the fact you've had corrupt people, they've never actually taught error. But yeah, and and I do I I want to say one other thing too, and we could this is very far down the what if game, but um, if somebody not Mitch McConnell, you know, was head of the other party, or if or if Hillary runs, we don't know that that Pelosi doesn't sort of tap out and do the double clap and leave like a dealer at Vegas. Like, Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on to the next, like she's de- like, right. I, I could, I could definitely see why somebody was like, God, I, you know, like, like Pacino in the movie. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Like why, why people who've been in the game a long time have felt over the last six to oh, that's 12 years. Yeah. So I mean, you go like a to Bush yeah. Gore. Like so, back, back to his girl, like, I can't hand this over now. Well, either an obligation or it's still a power play, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're the one who's looking for the power. Somebody else wants all the power and they think you're a key to getting right. it. So they want you to be back in. Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you could underestimate how much um, the democratic side has been on their heels, felt like they're on their heels going back quite some time, but especially to the Bush Gore window. Um you know, it's 20 years now where you, you know, I, I could see why people haven't stepped away gracefully to turn it over to the next p- side because they're worried about the, the competition. They're worried about where that goes. And yeah. I, again, a lot of it's probably p- performative as well, but I could, I could see that. But I do think power is a big thing. And I do think term limits are a very interesting and important thing for us to discuss. Um but again, even even when the Democrats are in power, it doesn't come up as something that that needs to be done. Mm. Like, Interesting. Okay. Well, my my last one that I had, and and you know, certainly happy to hear from you guys. But the last thing that I thought that was really interesting was some of the uh, activity that happened in urban centers, especially New York and uh, L.A. So. Uh, in New York, Jesus, where you are right now, uh, obviously the governor's race was decided for um, Hochul, Kathy Hochul, who was the the one under Cuomo and then she ended up getting um, elected actually formally now, not just taking over for him. Um, but it was a victory that was maybe uh, more narrow than, than uh, she expected. And in fact, there was a lot of you know, donors and Democrat strategists and people that just, you know, 48 hours ago were freaking out going, why aren't we just walking away with this thing? There was that. And then down ballot in New York, there was five contentious races, four of which were won by Republicans. So that to me is interesting, especially when you consider it in the context of Los Angeles, where it looks like we might end up with, you know, for all intents and purposes, a kind of centrist Republican, although he calls himself a Democrat, but in Caruso becoming the mayor of L.A. So I thought that that was interesting in these sort of like very, you know, urban, very blue, very like the height of sort of the, you know, the kind of the progressive uh, you know, movement, or at least what's expected to be, that those things are also occurring. Is there something going on in these sort of bigger city centers that you think are are driving some of that, or is it just incidental? No, I don't think it's incidental. I think in the case of LA, what's interesting there is that the homeless situation. I think all these things end up becoming like sort of single topic, um, single inputs. Yeah, know, single topic like battles. And here, or well, not here, where you guys are at in LA. I do think that homelessness has been such a crisis for the city that has been dealing now for years. And I feel like in in that case, Caruso did and has done a better job of anchoring his entire run of of being on the mayor all around this idea of being a solve for homelessness because of his background, because of the work that he's done. 
and making that the primary driver. Um, and it's such a hot topic. And to some extent, you can say even beyond the, the economy, that has a pretty big impact, right? So whether it's housing and housing, kind of combination with housing and homelessness being the two big drivers there, I think that is, is part of what makes a really big difference. Uh, I mean, we're still talking about someone that is, that is Democrat, or at least self-proclaimed Democrat, uh, even though he was previously Republican. <laughs> so we'll see. Brand new. Brand new, Brand just new in time. Democrat. Just in time Democrat. Yep, just, just in time. In time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that that's, that kind of topic has dominated uh, the conversation and, and, and part of it. And frankly, what's interesting about this, this the subject is to what degree do these, if he does end up winning, does this become a referendum and the very liberal, lean, the very left-leaning kind of policies, views, et cetera, that have been adopted by many of these cities and states, especially in the wake of the George Floyd murder, we did have a lot of people rethink investment around police and a lot of other issues. Is this sort of the readjustment of that pendulum, right? We end up having this pendulum that swings massively one way and maybe this is getting pulled back a little bit more that we may have been, uh, we may have pushed it too far out in trying to re- respond to that, to that issue. I, uh, because of my age, <laughs> I, I, I draw these parallels to, going back to the point you made about, do you have to have this experience? So probably the most popular mayor of New York in my lifetime was Bloomberg, right? So here's a massively successful. You think guy. he's more popular than Giuliani at than the who? time? Than Giuliani? I take take away the nine eleven component, right? And you, if you go straight window to straight window, like yes, okay. And I think he's better regarded today. Granted, he hasn't done anything to shit on his own legacy like Giuliani has, but like so so. There's a case of the successful businessman coming in, like I can get stuff done and he actually can. And he does it in a way that makes a, a city feel good about him. And he, he's the same story, like straight Republican, you know, in a way that most billionaires are. Uh, um, so there's this dynamic that, that I say people in L.A., older people could say, well, it kind of worked there. Maybe it's going to work here. But then to Jesus's point, I don't know that it was his messaging or his platform as much as it was – the $70 million he spent in the last 140 hours to hammer that, not just that message, but I think expand the divide and do the negative, you do the attack ads and exploit the October surprise that was the, the city council and the, oh, yeah. the racial divide there. And I, I so I, I, there's a, this, this one, I hope they study and, and really learn from because this goes way beyond just just that. I mean, maybe he made it all happen like the in the way rich people can, but it's it's this it's this weird compounding dynamic of having that to to split the the potentially split the vote of the people of color, um, and make it okay to vote for the billionaire guy who's not really a Democrat and maybe isn't going to build a single house, but at least saying he will. By the way, right? I'd rather him yeah. see spend those media dollars on actual homeless shelters. Than on TV ads, but what, 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 it, what it's I been love interesting. is uh, the headlines, right? So I, I was curious how Fox News is positioning all these things. And here's the headline for the LA uh, mayor's race battle for mayor in crime ridden Los Angeles, too close to call. <laughs> 
they can't help themselves. They're like, they got to throw the day, you know? And ho- homeless apocalyptic and, uh, uh, yeah. LA. And Looney yeah. left. Uh, yeah, you know, I, don't ha- I don't have any, I don't have any uh, headlines from CNN to quote, but I, I definitely, <laughs> you could tell, um, you know, the moment that there was any notion that um, the red wave, whatever wasn't going to happen, I mean, the entire dialogue of what I was watching on CNN, MSNBC changed. It, it it became gleeful. Like, you know what I mean? It was, and then a lot of talking about it's not even a trickle. It's not a spurt. Yeah. It's not whatever. That's why I was curious, Charlie, I mean, because it, I agree with you. That's all I was hearing. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But it feels like a lot still up in the air. So I was, I was wondering how, how Fox was presenting that, how Fox News was presenting that. What was a counter narrative, you know, to, to that? All right, so we, we got we got nine minutes here, uh, Jesus. I'm, I want to ch- just end on maybe forecast thoughts or ideas, maybe parting thoughts, right, from from each of you, relative maybe to let, let's make some assumptions. Okay, let's make an assumption, and these are important ones. I, I kind of want you guys to tackle this from both sides. One is let's make an assumption that either in the in the runoff, Walker wins. Or he loses, but Blake Masters in Arizona wins, as an example. But let's let's suge- let's suppose for a second that both houses go Republican, even if it's by the narrowest of margins. And then let's suppose that it's just the House. Okay, so those are the two scenarios. What does that mean for this administration? What does it mean, like for Biden's, you know, uh, mandate, authority, how he's going to kind of position things? And what does it mean for twenty four? Yeah, I think you want to go first. Sure, yeah. I think the the most likely scenario is House going Republican, not by a lot, but going Republican. Senate stays under Democratic control. That's why I think it will be the the outcome. Um, now that means that Joe Biden can still get his uh, appointments uh, passed in terms of like judges and things like that. It's just because I was done by the Senate, if I recall correctly. Uh, so, yeah. it, it, uh, what it also does mean is that no new legislation will basically pass for the next two years, right? There'll be a lot of uh, basically blocking any kind of legislation, any kind of adjustment that is there. And that's where I know he doesn't get the credit, but the amount of policy that the Biden administration will be able to get passed in his first two years is pretty significant. I think it's more than what Obama did in the last four years. Um, so I, I think in part it was actually planned that way, knowing that we have to get it in now because the moment this midterm happens, once again, assuming a, a red wave, we just got to plan for, it's all about the next presidential run, right? The next presidential, uh, campaigning. So I think that's, what's going to happen is that all the attention will be shifted towards, uh, 2024 and what's going to happen at the presidential level. Uh, I would expect zero to no policy whatsoever going, going forward. And a lot of what's already been done, I think, is that's what they're going to hang their head on, meaning Biden's going to hang his head on. Uh, what is the American Rescue Plan, the, you know, the Inflation Reduction uh, Plan, it's going to run infrastructure spending um, on marijuana reform, uh, reducing uh, prescription you know, pills, which is, I think was part of the Inflation Reduction Act. There's a lot that he can hang his head on that was already been done. That I think is gonna is gonna carry on, but it's gonna be just a very politically battled uh, next two and, years. And what and what if uh, Walker pulls it out in the in the runoff? I think it's similar but worse in the sense that I would expect a lot of then going setting out investigations, doing uh, a lot of hearings, 
of going after uh, basically all the grievances that the conservative side of the equation has had over the last two years and or, and or trying to reverse any of the, the, the decisions that Biden has made. Do you think Biden runs in 24, Jesus? I, I really think that um, same thing, which is if uh, Trump is there, I think Biden will, 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 just, will just take it on. Uh, he has a very good shot of actually running. Uh, oh, not just running, I'm sorry, of winning. I'll put it that way. Um, hard to say. I think at his age, and he's obviously has declined health-wise. Uh, it, it probably wouldn't be a great, a great thing to actually have him actually run for the for the for the for, the, for another four years. The question though is still like, who the, who is it? Gavin Newsom. I know he's been pushing pretty hard, right? And you could make a decent case in terms of how California is doing, relatively speaking, to other states, pretty well in general. So, and he just won pretty decisively, even though he got recalled. But recall in California cannot be used as, as a gauge because it's very easy to the, recall people the, here. The irony of the recall is he got more votes in the recall than he did in when he originally ran. <laughs> he got more popular because of the recall. Yeah, but, but it's also because of the way we do it here, right? It's easy to get, get recalled uh, in California. Uh, so I don't know how that plays nationwide, though. I don't know how the whole California slick back kind of cool guy, you know, tech relationships. I don't know how that plays. Like... It's really good for California. It's I don't know how that works. Work, like work for Reagan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? Just, Although he 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 had more of the homespun. Like I'm a you know still a Hollywood guy. Is, is it a, but is it, is it a vote yeah. for or vote against, Charlie? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's also true right? too like, because that's become part of the can, calculus. You can basically yeah. you address any of the age issues, energy issues. You address all these things immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it becomes a, a versus whether it's against DeSantis or whether it's against Trump. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, Same question to you. I, I, I flip it in a different way. Is this going to be two years of punitive attempts, but not enough margin to actually make it happen, right? I don't think Republican Congress people from California are going to be aggressive about impeachment or things like that. So I, I think I – think, I, I'm just interested in seeing if it's just sort of the, the – what's now the status quo is like we're not going to let you get anything done. Or if it goes down the road of, you know, we have to put Hunter Biden in jail. Uh, we have to do all these things. And Jesus mentioned the list of grievances. If that's where it goes, um, you know, who wins or who does Like, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's we, just terrible. Like, it's, we all lose. Yeah, we all lose. We really do. Mm-hmm. We really do. I think Gina Carano said, uh, I'm not normally wouldn't quote her, but had that post. And it might have been something she stole, a meme she stole, but like, we're like kids waiting to figure out uh, which parent we go to in the divorce. Like, mm. like neither neither side's happy. Um, but I think that's that's the orientation for me. And if there's any modicum of the idea that we work together, move forward together on either side, that would be a miracle to see. Uh, I don't think it'll happen. I'm not optimistic. But but that's the main thing I'd be watching. I got nothing to do with Biden. Wants to do what he can do. What his mandate is going to be whether or not. McConnell and the and the other side of the fence uh, allow anything to happen. Yeah, my my thoughts on this, similar to you, Jesus, is I I I I think that the question for the Democrats is who, if not Biden, and that's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he wants another term. I don't think so either. I I, I don't think he's equipped for it. I I th- you know he's b- breaking records in the wrong way in terms of. You know, popularity and confidence Ooh. across the board with people just like I, I you, you can't get much worse, even worse than Trump again, and as as divisive as he was. 
But then it's a real question of like, well, if not who, if not him, then who? Because yeah, Buttigieg or one of these guys, you know, Beto O'Rourke. There, there's my, there's my, uh, my throw-in candidate for you. But it's a really tricky thing. I think right now, though, head to head with DeSantis, I think he loses. I think he loses pretty, pretty significantly. Oh, Beto O'Rourke. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. If it was, if it was DeSantis, Biden. Oh, DeSantis Biden. Um, yeah, I think he, he's in trouble. If it's DeSantis, Biden, yeah, I think yeah, you'd be in trouble. Good. And I do think that everything else, I mean, that's the craziness about all this stuff. So much of this still hinges on Trump. Well, that, that and that's the other thing to watch is how quickly does the, the party get behind it's either Newsom, uh, what's his name in Pennsylvania, Shapiro. Shapiro. Josh Shapiro. Yeah. The, yeah, stuff, really I good. Saw, the stuff I saw was impressive. Yeah. Right? I feel um, like this should be a concerted effort by everyone to say how irrelevant Trump is now. And just to like poke at him, poke, 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 and then he'll come out, I'm running. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was, you, you know, know? He's, he's saying that he's going to make a big announcement on the 15th. Yeah. I wonder what that could be. Well, they supposedly had to tap it down. Supposedly he wanted to do it like... Right on the heels of a big wave, yeah. Well, on but on the stuff going into this, like he like he was going to say it before the midterms, or like yeah, somehow they tapped it down. And how old will he be? In I don't I don't know how old he is. He's only he's like three or four years younger than yeah, mine. He's, but he's it's not much. Too, yeah, but but it's, it's, it's not, not much. It's like the energy, like the Fauci effect, right? Like or Fauci, right? That dude is also in, uh, right up there, but there's no lack of energy there. Yeah, that's true. They're very, very different. There was a there was a clip of, of him hitting a golf ball or whatever, and he turned around. And he's like, "You think Biden can do that?" <laughs> it's like because he blasted some. He took his driver out and just hit a golf ball. He's like, "You think Biden can do that?" So yeah, they're they're not that far apart in age, but I think that there's definitely an energy uh, difference there. Fortunately, we're not just using that as a way to elect the president, but uh, but there is a difference there. Um, anything else, gentlemen? Good conversation. Uh Stephen always we, has something we, to do say. Do we want to talk about the fact that Louisiana voted to keep a slavery law on the books? I didn't know what, this. What was this, Stephen? I didn't know this. Five states uh-huh. had votes to uh, to remove uh, legacy legislation that either had to do with actual slavery or slavery as a punishment for a crime. Um, uh, they all voted to remove them, interestingly. In some states, you had over a quarter million people voting to keep them. Uh, Bama, Oregon, uh, Tennessee, and Vermont, uh, but Louisiana voted uh, oh by sixty percent to keep their slavery-related statutes. <laughs> but what is the actual statute? You know, it, I mean, a lot of them are very old. Yeah, uh, there's like a those, lot of weird. There's state a lot laws of weird. Too. Like, listen, there's like, like you can't like can't shoot a jackrabbit from a trolley car in downtown LA. Right, and yeah, stuff. like it's, yeah. it lives on the books. Like so. But in some of these cases, it's that you are allowed to own people and in certain – a lot of them were more about uh, as punishment for a crime, you could be forced to be enslaved. What? Yes. I have to look that this one up. Crazy, I'm not equipped, yeah. not equipped for this conversation. But, but they, I, they voted to keep that. And wow. I found that to be oh, – going back to our performative term. Right. Yeah. Very, very fascinating um, and concerning Yeah. Interesting. Step. I'm going to have to look that one up, put it in the show notes. Very good. Huh. All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you for the conversation. Uh, still some stuff left to do and some votes left to count, but uh, we'll see where this thing goes. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have more conversations like this, which I think is uh, important and what it's all about. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And if you're listening to our voices, that means you should subscribe to this show and share this episode and the show with anybody in your life that can benefit from more light, not heat. We'll see you again next time on Unsiloed.